0: Hi. Hi. Trick or treat. Trick or treat. Hey, guys, you look great in your costumes. Here you go. Ooh, Skittles, yummy. Reese's Peanut Butter Cup's my favorite. (laughs) Yeah. Hey, thank you so much for coming by tonight. Hey, you're our last stop. Can you tell us a story? Yeah, one before you go? Yeah. Sure. All right, this one's called Jesus Loves Frankenstein. seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Matthew chapter 6. October 31st, Halloween. Halloween is an interesting holiday to say the least. Some love it, Some despise it, and some remain totally indifferent to the day filled with fructose LED lights and goblins. Jack-o'-lanterns with their silly faces are glowing orange and yellow. Children and grown-ups also have their silly or spooky faces on, as everyone is dressed up in costumes so as to enjoy the wonders of a night dedicated to pretending a night of imagination. I was born in 1980, and let me tell you, by the time I was five years old, there were so many cartoons and television shows that were going to become classics for all time. I didn't know it back then, but boy, do I know it now. One of the cartoons my brother and I loved, and I mean truly loved, was the cartoon Transformers. Everything for us was Transformers, from t-shirts to bed linens to action figures. Our room was filled with robots that could transform into tanks or jets or helicopters. Then there was my favorite, the ultimate good guy, Optimus Prime. He could transform into an 18-wheeler. One year, I went as Optimus Prime for Halloween. It was a costume that felt like wearing a hefty garbage bag, but I didn't mind so much. I'm sure I lost a few pounds running around, you know, like a wrestler trying to cut weight, But I didn't mind so much. I was in the world to pretend, and collecting candy with my brother, it couldn't be any better than that. So when it comes to Halloween, we think not only of candy or -or trick-or-treating or scary movies and costumes, we also think of the monsters. Monsters like werewolves running wild or vampires in search of blood or zombies looking for brains. And then, of course there's perhaps the most famous monster of all, the great Frankenstein. The story is about a man named Henry Frankenstein who is a scientist. He was completely obsessed with understanding where life comes from, and if he could create life himself. In fact, he figured if he could create life, then maybe he could also defeat death once and for all. In a way, he was guilty of trying to play God, In fact, that's what his friends repeatedly warned him about. But he insisted. So he patched together the monster, sewing and stitching, and hoping that the beast would somewhat resemble a man. As he nears completion of the monster, he's in need of a human brain. And so his henchman stole a human brain from a nearby laboratory. The brain in the jar previously belonged to a criminal, and it was labeled, quote, abnormal brain. (laughs) So he takes the brain and gives it to Henry, and Henry puts the brain in the monster and fine-tunes his machinery with the hopes that the beast will be filled with life. Professor Waldman warns him of the dangers of what his scientific endeavors might bring about. One night, Waldman said, you've created a monster and it will destroy you. But Frankenstein replied, patience, patience. I believe in this monster, as you call it, and if you don't, well, you must leave me alone. Henry couldn't be stopped. The knight finally arrived, and he attempts to bring his experiment to life. Suddenly, the monster began to move his hand on the table, and the famous cry comes from Henry, it's alive, it's alive, and he looks up to the heavens, and he shouts out, now I know what it's like to be God. So Frankenstein the monster, he's a pretty scary-looking fella. He's enormous. His hands and feet and body are twice the size of any other normal man. His voice is so deep, and he just grunts and groans and moans. And His eyes don't really open up all that much. He's all but dead, and yet still kind of living. So... Frankenstein the monster, he is violent and he escapes the laboratory and takes off through the countryside. And there's a moment when he comes upon a little girl playing by a lake in the middle of the day. And she picks some flowers and hands them to him. And he seems to like them. She then kneels down beside the lake and pulls the heads of the daisies off and tosses them in the lake and says, oh, look, they float. See? And Frankenstein does the same thing and they have a laugh for a second but then he gets carried away and he scoops the girl up in his arms and she says you're hurting me and he throws her into the lake and then takes off running he was startled by the whole thing and sure enough the little girl's father returns home and found that the his daughter had died And so he scoops her up in his arms and the man walks into the city that's having a big festival going on and everybody is stopped going, oh my gosh, what has happened? And so the man goes to the the mayor's house and the mayor breaks everybody up into three parties and says, we've got to hunt down Frankenstein. And so they chase Frankenstein out of the city and they they, they chase him up into a, a big windmill. When they find the monster up in the windmill, they set the windmill on fire, and it appears that Frankenstein dies in the fire. It really is a sad tale of destruction. The monster is brought into existence and doesn't appear to have any conscience whatsoever. He just does what monsters do. They attack people, create chaos, and leave a wake of destruction behind them, and the only thing that humans can do when dealing with the monster is to simply bring it down in flames. But if the monster had been given a conscience, then he could reason. If he had a new mind or a new heart and a place of belonging, then the monster would become less monstrous. He would become a bit more human. Well, when we think of Jesus... We've got to remember that he did not arrive on Halloween in which everyone was pretending and living in story form or make-believe for an evening. But far from it, the monsters of his world were real. The characters were not in costumes. They were not repeating lines that they had memorized from a film. Herod was a real monster who attempted to have Jesus killed when he was just a baby. The Pharisees were the religious monsters who haunted Jesus's ministry and ultimately called for his death. The Romans were the political monsters that oppressed the Jews and finally brutally murdered Jesus. Yes, everywhere Jesus turned, he was surrounded by monsters. And yet, when you read the Gospels, We don't get the impression that Jesus was actually all that afraid of monsters. Yes, he knew they were scary and evil and all the rest, but he had a life to live and people to love to the glory of God. And so that's just what he did. He walked in the power of the Holy Spirit, knowing that each day God was still going to be on his throne in spite of all the scary monsters around. And he was going to bring light and hope and forgiveness and truth and grace and good news everywhere. He was going to step foot. He went to wedding parties and had dinner with his friends, and he went to work and enjoyed going to the synagogue. He spent time with people because he was out to redeem people. There's a curious verse in the second chapter of John's Gospel that lets us in on Jesus' unique insight into every human heart. Jesus, on his part, did not entrust himself to them because he knew all people and needed no one to bear witness about man. He himself knew what was in man. Yes, Jesus knew that sin was within every human being. All of us have fallen short of the glory of God. Isaiah says that all we are like sheep. We've gone astray like Frankenstein running through the forest. Our hearts have become dull or corrupt. Our minds are in need of redemption. Our commitment wavers every one of us can be a bit like a monster when we're honest we say things we think things we do things that scripture calls sin and a life of sin always ends up on fire but that's not the end of the story you see sin is no match for the savior and the ultimate monster the capital m monster The one who is the serpent in the Garden of Eden or the dragon in the book of Revelation was defeated by the death and the resurrection and ascension of the Lord Jesus. And because the enemy is defeated, we've been granted life, resurrection power in the Holy Spirit. And now we draw strength. Listen to Paul's words to Titus. We ourselves were once foolish and disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating another. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, he saved us, not because of works done by righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior, So that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. For everyone who thinks they've gone too far, God's grace reaches further. For everyone who thinks they're just too bad, too evil, too monstrous, there's mercy for you too. For everyone who doubts that they can be made new, fully alive, Be reminded, Jesus loves Frankenstein too.